everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast, episode eight. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike, and I'm joined as always by the president of memes of Jets Twitter. It's NYJ Matt. How are we doing? Big episode today. We have Robbie Sabo from Jets X Factor on the pod for an interview. We also have a mailbag at the end of the episode with our good friend James. So with that, we're going to turn it over to the interview with Robbie now. All right, we're going to welcome on a very special guest. It's Robbie Sabo. He's the creator of Jets X Factor. He works with the legendary Michael Nania. And he has one more credentials to the Jets facility than Manish Mehta. Robbie, welcome on. We appreciate you coming. God, thanks, fellas. Love to be here. Yeah, good yeah, stuff. So we're going to start you off with a hypothetical. All right. So, Robbie, you, Nania, and Blewett are the starting receivers for an NFL team. Mm-hmm. But you have the best player at every other position, including coaching staff, defense, special teams, offense. But you three are the starting wideouts. We'll put Nania in the slot. Well, would you guys win a game? And if so, what would your record be? So we have the best player at every other position in the NFL? Everyone. Mahomes is your quarterback. Take any offensive line of your choice. Your depth, if someone got hurt, they would be right there. But if you guys all stayed healthy, what would the record be? Defense included? Defense included, yeah. Uh, 14 and 2. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you for that. A lot of people are like, oh, we would never win a game. And when when Mike and I get hypotheticals, we're very confident in ourselves. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm happy that you were 14 and two. I mean, you have have a run heavy and defensive team. I mean, listen, this NFL is a lot different than 30 years ago, even 20 years ago. It's when the rules changed drastically 15, 16 years ago, uh, it made the receiver that much more important. But if if you're giving me the best player at each position – that's a dominant team no matter what, no matter what's at receiver. Defender can't put their hands on you. You guys are going to be running, you know, wild in the secondary. You got Andy Reid as the coach. Correct. Are you an athletic guy, Robbie? You can, you can run. Uh, I, I, play, I played a little college D3. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you're, so you're probably, you'd be like third on the Jets' depth chart right now. Oh, dude, come on. <laughs> I, I pull, on the first play, I tear my hamstring into two. <laughs> but, well, Adam, uh, Adam Gay said if you have a pulse, you could play for the Jets right now, which is very – Encouraging statement. So ninety percent of the day, I could play for the Jets. The other ten, no. <laughs> so, so you're at practice all week. Uh, you know, we're, we're following you on Twitter. Robbie is an unbelievable follow. You got to go follow him if you don't. Um, big emphasis on energy and practice this week. Anything noticeable? You know, you tweet out a couple of clips, and look at you know the Jets are focusing on tackling. Of course, they have forty missed tackles. The the next. You know, highest team is 29 with the Chiefs. So, you know, with two weeks, 20 missed tackles a game, clearly not good. Have you noticed the change in, in energy in practice? Yeah, the, it's definitely been more up-tempo. It's definitely been more physical. Uh, they're using the one-man sled a lot, and they're not waiting around. Like in positionals, when you hit the sled, the next guy goes right away. It's definitely different from what we're used to seeing in August and September. The problem – some of us have as beat reporters is we don't get to experience every team in the NFL. So there's no place to compare it against. No reference. Yeah. And you know, these days, again, it's a lot different than 20 years ago where they could still get physical and run two a days. Um, So I think by that token, 
coaches, if they go really light in practice and really relaxed, they get off, they're off the hook because there's not much to compare it to. And 2020 with the concussion stuff, everyone's afraid of uh, really going full speed in practice. Mm -hmm. Um, But this week they're definitely ramped it up for sure. Yeah. Ironically, you have, you know, less two a days and no two a days and you have less practice time. Still, it seems like there's a ton of injuries and the Jets got, you know, yeah. The Jets are in, in trouble in that in that sense. But the Colts have some injuries as well, so we'll see what They happens. do. And this is uh, – I mean, listen, preseason It preseason matters. For fans, even players who don't want it, preseason matters uh, in terms of injuries during the regular season. Uh, their injuries are way up this year, and I think uh, not having that physicality uh, during August is, is the big factor. Yeah, so Robbie, I have a chance. I have a Jets X Factor account. Great, you know, great Jets content. You can't ask for anything better. Um, if you were to go absent for a year and you need a current Jets beat writer to write under your name for a year, who would you trust right now on the beat to write for you? <laughs> well, what are you looking for? See, there's so many different. Are you looking for football knowledge? Or are you looking for writing ability? Are you looking for uh, just on the beat news timeliness? That's the question. Mm, good, good question. I'm going to leave it to the judgment of what aligns most with you. So the content, I know you're more of the football content yep. and the knowledge behind it. So if you were to have one guy fill in your shoes, who would that be? I think from an X's and O's, it would be Samini. Mm-hmm. I think it would be Samini. I like Rich. Um, he's, he's, I think he's the longest tenured beat. Jets beat writer of all time now. Um, it sounds about right. Yeah, he's going on. I think yeah, since the early '90s, right? Yeah, and uh, so I think it would be Samini. Hmm. It's a little, little, Rich is a little negative, but I think he's. I like Rich because when he does say something positive, mm-hmm. you're like, "Let's go." Yeah, <laughs> he's conformed to the fan base, you know. Yeah, well, the fan base. So that you know, it's interesting you bring that up. A reason. Matt and I started our accounts is because we saw a lot of negativity on Jets Twitter and, you know, just like a very, like, even you see it this year, you know, the Jets are 0-2 and it's been a horrifying start. Everybody hates the coach, but, you know, it's not like the season's over. The Jets, if they come out and can win this game, it's not like the, this, this Colts team is unbeatable. And then you have the Broncos behind them. Are you, are you in the same uh, train of thought as the Jets fans where the season's kind of done right now? You in football, you can never say the season's done, ever. Um, remember two thousand two, how bad that season was. There were games where they literally played this badly in two thousand two, and in comes Chad Pennington. Everything gets turned around. I'm not saying that that's this team, of course not, but no matter no matter how bad they've played the positives are really positive. The offensive line has played well. They ran the ball for over five yards of carry on first down against the Niners, making their offensive performance that much more flabbergasting. Uh, They really lost it on second down. Second down, conservative uh, play calling really got them there. Um, And Quinnen Williams. Quinnen Williams has been pretty great as well, especially last, last Sunday. So those two positives, the Jets fan has been waiting for the offensive line and the pass rush. Uh, to materialize. So I think looking at those two positives uh, is a good thing. Especially with the younger players. And to your point, in 2002, the Jets lost from weeks two to four. They lost 44 to seven, 30 to three, and 28 to three. They went on to, you know, win the wild card game 41 nothing 
uh, against the against the Colts and Peyton Manning. Um, and yeah, and and Michael Nania put out a great stat about you know the Jets are second in the league in yards per carry on first down, mm-hmm. and then they're they've run play action fifteen percent of the time following. So you know you have to wonder is Adam Gase's you know his his game plan seems to be trying to get the team in third and manageables. Is that really it? Like, is there nothing else to it? See, week one, I thought Darnold was the main culprit, and I know no Jets fan wants to hear that. Mm-hmm. You say anything negative about Darnold, you're the devil. <laughs> um, but Gase, get on Gase week one. Get on Gase for preparedness for everything midweek, uh, August. But the play calling I didn't see as a problem because Darnold didn't execute. Week two, it's all Gase. His game plan was to be conservative. He was afraid of that Niners pass rush. So he said, okay, we want to make sure our play time isn't extended to make sure nothing bad goes, nothing bad happens. We'll run it heavy uh, early and often and go with the three-step passing game. That's great, but you have to adjust off that game plan. Once Bosa goes down, once Solomon Thomas goes down, once you have success on first down, start taking chances on second and manageable, second and short, and – Take those chances outside to Perryman, who could win one-on-one matchups, to Herndon in a Y-ISO situation. He didn't do that. He, he took his offensive line, who was having a great day on first down, said, try to get me the first down on second and five, third and three, when the Niners are expecting run. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be – it turned out to flatten everything out. And in this league, with these rules, you have to take chances in one-on-one situations. And Gase just didn't do it. He has to adjust in game. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, and that's, you know, you made a good point about Darnold uh, and, and, you know, blindly loving or hating anyone. So it's it's not good to blindly love or hate anything. So you make a good point. If, if you know, we love Sam Darnold, but, you know, when we defend him, we have reasons why. And when we dislike Gase, there are reasons why, too. And it's not, you know, I think the Jets fans are at a point where they're just going to blindly, no matter what Gase does, they're going to hate it, which is, you know, an unhealthy you know, way to be a fan. You know, it's not unhealthy. But, but fair in a lot of respects, too. Oh, you know? for sure. You know, most of the time is they're right. But just, you know, just because Adam Gay's making the decision doesn't – like the, the fourth and one, he should have probably – Darnold should probably be able to audible into a QB sneak. Yes. The actual play call before third down, I said run off the middle twice, get a first down. They yes. ran off the middle twice, didn't get a first down. So. Here's where it gets crazy, and, and I think this is because of social media. When the Jets start off 0-4 last year, they start comparing him to Kotite. Yeah. Listen, Sam Darnold goes down. They almost win week one against Buffalo. Could we hold off on the coat tight until after the first year? Then they finish seven and nine. <laughs> it's seven hundred hit seven times the amount of wins as coat tight in nineteen. Yeah. So listen, as bad as he is, the extremism of everything is where everything goes wrong. Because when when you get extreme on one guy, you forget sight you lose your sight on everything else when there's a lot more problems than just one thing. Right. Yeah, and that's why we appreciate the work you do on Jets Twitter. You do breakdowns, but you make them realistic like there's a play that got blown up i think it was a third and long screen and you called out it was a great play call like blocking wasn't done up front but I th- we agree that people are we're too tough on gates even though we're really frustrated with some of the game management from last week when you do your breakdowns i'm sure you've seen that some people have been taking darnold's footwork or kind of out of context plays what is your take on darnold year three two weeks in I know you mentioned week one was on him. Are you seeing the footwork and, and those, you know, tangible things decline or is it just the pressure and, you know, missing receivers, new O-line? In terms of his footwork, I think he came out of his mother's womb with the footwork issues and it's remained 
that way ever since. Uh, I, I ask fans this in the NBA, name me a player where in which a coach changed, changed his jump shot. Hmm. It doesn't happen. You know, you're comfortable with how you throw, you're comfortable with how you, how you shoot the ball. It's everything else that Gase is responsible for. Um, and the Jets are responsible for, quite honestly, not having an offensive line. A, a major change has happened since the Pats game, since the Ghost game. He is jittery in the pocket. He can't stay in the pocket. He's not rolling through his progressions. So I think it's a combination of a lot of factors. Gase, the offensive line, and the shame of it is the offensive line's playing well. So, you know, not going not gonna to have Fant or McGovern probably this Sunday, which is a killer, but mm-hmm. – um, I think the footwork is overblown. I, I don't think you can really improve that too much, but I think other things like, um, you know, pre-snap stuff, rolling through progressions and making life easier on them on a down by down basis is definitely workable and should have been worked more. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So shifting a little bit to the Jets opponent this Sunday, the Colts, um, I'm interested in to, to see what you think about that team. You know, their, their defense has been playing well. They're number one, in the league early on. Um, have you seen anything special from them? You know, they have some playmakers over there. Darius Leonard comes to mind, Justin Houston. Um, and, you know, obviously the Jets are having some offensive line uh, injuries. W- what are you seeing? You know, they picked up Xavier Rhodes in the offseason. So what are you seeing from the Colts? Yeah, I think the Colts are the real deal. Um, I'm not surprised they lost week one because, you know, it's – was it the Jags? <laughs> yeah, it's that? weird shit. Yes. And uh, – so I think they're the real deal. I think I picked them to win that division before the season started. Um, it's going to be tough. Um, but again, the last time I think the Jets played the Colts was at MetLife and, they, and the Jets steamrolled them. Um, I think that was Moe Claiborne pick six to start the game. Yeah, yeah, Bulls and Bates. Well, you know, it's a different, different team. You know, they have Phil Rivers. I always – I love Phil Rivers. First of all, because Rivers is one of the few players in football who hasn't really killed the Jets. Like, obviously, the Jets had the 2009 True. win in the playoffs against, against the Chargers. Um, like, ho- some hilarious Phil River stats. In 2010, the Chargers had the number one offense and defense in terms of yards and missed the playoffs. Uh, so, the guy, the guy is fascinating to me. Um, something he likes to do, likes to throw the ball underneath. They have, you know, Naheem Hines, Mo Alley-Cox, some underneath weapons. He always, he's done this throughout his career. Austin Eckler, Darren Sproles. Do you see the Jets linebackers keeping up with that? Is Avery Williamson going to play more? Are we going to have to watch Alec Ogletree run around like his head's cut off? Uh, Ogletree was so bad last week. I, I would be shocked if Avery Williamson is not starting and playing every play. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's not concrete, but I would be shocked based on what Ogletree did. And Rivers, I mean, I guess the only positive is, like you said, every time the Jets see him, it's good news for the Jets, the playoffs especially. Um. I would say with uh, Rivers, the, the only good news is he can't, with his arm strength, he can't really torch the Jets deep. So the, so Greg Williams could come up with a game plan that um, challenges them deep. He could really play close to the line of scrimmage, press, guard against the run, and challenge Rivers deep. And if he, and if he beats him deep early, you tip your cap and adjust. But I think that's the only positive. Everything else goes against the Jets. <laughs> Yeah, shifting to the the you know twenty twenty one, Mike and I are still focused on this year. And to your point, it's never over. You can watch those young guys progress throughout the year. If you were Joe Douglas preparing for the twenty twenty one draft, could you rank in order your priority? You know, not considering the free agency with wide receiver, cornerback, 
another offensive lineman, what are the, an edge rusher, obviously. So in that order, what, what would you take those four um, as, as top priority? Well, if I'm the number one pick, which we can't even think about right now because everyone thought Miami was going to have it last year. Look what happened. Mm-hmm. If you're the number one pick, you have to take Lawrence. On, on that, it's hard to argue against that rookie deal. Starting off year number one, with mm-hmm. Darnold going into his fourth year, and they need to pay him. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's only if you're number one. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. I have, I have, a, I have a, I have a challenge you on this because, but, yeah. Well, if you want to finish your point, I, I no, 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 go for it. We'll so, if the 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 thing that I would think is, if I have a choice of Sam Darnold and the absolute historic haul of draft picks I'm going to get for the first pick this year for Trevor Lawrence. I'd rather have Darnold and two ones, two twos, whatever, three ones, two twos. I'd rather have Darnold in that hall than Trevor Lawrence going on a rookie contract. That's, my, that's my take. I, I would agree with you if the money was the same and they're both starting out at the same point where I probably – I shouldn't say definitely Lawrence. I should say probably Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me you, you don't want to be that team yeah. that passes on the generational type quarterback. And like Mike and I said, we have been Darnold guys from day one. If you get that number one overall pick, it depends how you get it. Does Darnold yeah. have a year where he has a you know one-to-one touchdown to pick ratio, footwork still sloppy? You know, I could talk myself into saying you got to build around him, put at least a weapon to see what he is. But to your point, it's tricky. So as much as I am a team Darnold trade back guy in that situation, you, I, I would understand why Joe Douglas and co would make that decision. It's more about Trevor Lawrence than about Darnold, which is correct, which is okay to me. But correct, and it's more about what's happened to Darnold. We yeah. don't know if it's past the point of did we screw up as an organization and can this guy come back? What a shame we have to even have this conversation. Right. So let's, I mean, that's only if you're number one pick every, uh, anywhere else, any other slot, it's edge rusher first offensive line, second corner and receiver tied for third. Well, yeah, I guess you could address those things in free agency as well. You know, it's hard to find an edge rusher. Um, even the, you know, Jets could have had Justin Houston last year, but that's not a long-term solution. Uh, but continuing to look forward, let's assume Gaze is not the coach next year. Um, if you had any coach of your choice that's available, who are you taking? I'll tell you what. This one, I thought about this the other day, and I couldn't come up with an answer. Really? I sw- honestly. <laughs> um, I thought about this either yesterday or two days ago, and I could not come up with an answer. Maybe because it's so early in the season still. Yeah. Uh, what names are you guys thinking? Popular names. Our guy is Jim Harbaugh. We would love Jim Oh, I mean, Jim Harbaugh would be phenomenal. That's, that's our guy. You know, you, the, the one you hear a lot is Eric Bieniemy. which the thing I don't like about Bieniemy is, you know, he has, the, he has Patrick Mahomes, he has Andy Reid. Is he really the, the real deal? It's a similar thing because a lot of Jets fans clamor for this guy. Meanwhile, then they go out and say, hey, Adam Gase only did well with Peyton Manning. So right. is that the same situation? I mean, if Biennemi was calling the plays on a regular basis, because um, I think he has in the past, but yeah. if he was, and I knew that for sure, I'd feel a lot more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But you know Andy Reid. Andy Reid loves calling the plays. He loves uh, scheming everything up. So yeah, I agree with you. Biennemi's scary. Harbaugh, I'd take in a second, obviously. 
once upon a time, they John Harbaugh was rumored to be fired from Baltimore, and Jets mm-hmm. fans got excited reasonably, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and they should have. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Harbaugh's tricky though. He built something in San Francisco, which was great in Stanford, and then in Michigan. I don't know. I, I don't know if he's an NFL guy or a college guy. He's a tricky one. Yeah, and the enemy thing is weird too because the Jets brought him in for an interview last year. Uh, you know, from his point of view, if he has three head coaching jobs you know, available to him. I think the Jets aren't one that, you know, he'd jump at knowing that he had an interview and, you know, the team went ahead with Adam Gase. Uh, A thought that I had that came, you know, to my mind this morning, and I don't think it's been talked about yet, in the event of an 0-8 year, 0-9, 1-9, Christopher Johnson said he doesn't want to fire anyone during the year. Um, A name that stands out to me is a potential of a, a Brant Boyer because if Greg Williams stays at the defense, if you give Brant Boyer a chance to be the head coach and leader of this team, everyone, I want to see how you feel being at practice. They think this guy is not only a gifted special teams coach, but a great leader. So that was just like a, out of the blue. It's probably a one to hundred chance, but that's an interesting thought that I had of a potential interim head coaching job. If you wanted to keep Greg will with the defense. Yeah, it's not a bad thought. And personally, I like the head coaching situations where the guy's not calling the play plays on offense or defense, like a Belichick in New England, uh, like Joe Judge, like Pete Carroll. The head coaches really don't have a, you know, Joe Judge is a bad example right now, they're on too. But I like that system where you don't have to worry about calling the plays. You could actually be a coach and let your offensive defense coordinator take care of the mm-hmm. plays, play calling. Um, yeah, so that's an interesting situation. But in terms of, you know, in-season shuffling with the coaching staff, in football, it's always it's always a crapshoot. You can yeah. you can't hope for anything great. Just hope nothing goes crazy. You know, very inspiring. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so we'll leave you with one more, Robbie. We appreciate your time. Um, so so what are your your keys to this week's game? I'll give you mine first, and then we'll see uh, you know what you're thinking about Sunday's game. I think the Jets should put either two minutes on all the clocks, like. Put the clocks on the fourth quarter in the stadium on two minutes, and Phil Rivers will throw fifteen interceptions, or decorate the stadium like it's a playoff game, and then we're going to win the game. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> or hope the Colts don't show up. That's another one. Um, you know, pray that they don't show up the day before. It's another. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, Any actual keys, though? You know, I know the Colts, they're running the ball. They're, they're running the ball 31 times a game. Jonathan Taylor, 26 carries last week. Uh, yeah. What can the Jets do to, you know, maybe flip the script, get off the field a little bit? Uh, I think defensively challenge Rivers to beat them deep. His arm strength is not there. The corners aren't great for the Jets. But still, if, if you could challenge him, stop the run, challenge him to beat you deep, because this run defense isn't as good without Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams – uh, masked a lot of their problems. No edge rusher. For sure, yeah. Yeah, the most their 80-yard pitch, Henry Anderson was playing edge. You can't have a 300-pound guy playing edge. He just can't move in space. And the Jets haven't had an edge rusher in so long. Jamal Adams would clean that stuff up. 12 years. Mike loves Calvin Pace. Mike is the biggest Calvin Pace fan on earth. Pace was great. Yeah, Pace was one of those unheralded guys, right? Yeah. That's why they should make Jordan Jenkins play more. He plays like 52% of the snaps. Just put him in more. He sets the edge. He's a good run stopper. You can get a sack. I don't know. What do we have to put in like John Franklin Myers, even though he had a good game? Or we have to put Jordan Willis in? Like just keep, you know, but I, I do like Greg Williams. So 
You know? Yeah. So challenge rivers deep and offensively just take what they give you allow Darnold uh, mm-hmm. room to navigate the, the defense pre-snap. And if he can't get it done himself, well, the fans will find out. They'll come to find out if you allow him that power on more downs and just take what the defense gives you because that's a good Colts defense and you can't run it into a loaded box and pass against too deep. I it's, saw you put the Jets run about 21 times into a single safety look. Yeah. What looked, the <laughs> hell? How anywhere, does that happen? Anywhere <laughs> between 18 to 22, I'd say. So total 62 plays. They ran it a third of their plays, run play into a loaded box. It's a single high press look. That's the problem. He goes in with a game plan. I think he just refuses to, to take what the defense gives him and change it up for a little bit. I could take a high school offensive coordinator, and I think he would realize to to break out of that set, but – Oh goodness, we're we're doing all right, but Robbie, we really do appreciate you coming on. That was a lot of fun, and we got to make sure we have you back soon. Yeah, and I like how you just said goodness. That just wrapped the whole thing up so, <laughs> so beautifully. Yeah, but um, yeah, thanks for coming on. We can chat for a sec, but yeah, you guys have been doing great work over at Jets X Factor. I know I I got it about like a month after you guys put it out, and going through the the breakdowns. I'm learning a lot, and I, I've been diehard. I haven't missed a Jet game since 2007. But I'm learning a lot more about football and, and watching the content you guys put out. Wait, let me give my pitch for Jets X Factor before we let yeah. Robbie go. go for it. If you ever want to, you know, you're arguing with a Giants fan about, like, who's better, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, just get Jets X Factor and just throw ridiculous stats at the Giants fan. Hey, the Jets are, like, 9-2 and two when Sam Darnold starts and they wear the same colored uniforms top uh. and bottom. In a four o'clock game when Fox is like the broadcaster. And the weather's over 58 degrees. <laughs> Just keep it going. Yeah, Nanny, uh, I don't know where he pulls these stats from. I, I told, uh, who did I tell this to? I, I'm still investigating whether he's human or not. He might be alien. <laughs> he, but, he's uh, a maniac. He, he sent, I think, five tweets in a row this morning. Just abysmal stats. I think the one was time spent this season leading zero minutes tied, nine minutes trailing. Like, yeah. 110 minutes since he's a he's a full-blown maniac i don't know where he gets it from yeah, he's, i don't know when i saw it i saw him I'm like oh this is perfect we could do film he could do stats it's it's easy i don't know alien he's an alien <laughs> all right thank you robbie we appreciate it man all right take care man thanks for having me james to start off the mailbag i got a question for you yeah where were you Oh, February 6, 2012 at 12.01 a.m. I was at the Models in Manalapin with <laughs> Beans and all of his friends. And what were you doing picking there? Up Giants, picking up Giants gear because they just beat the Patriots again in the Super Bowl. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's funny to look back on. I'm obvi- you're, who are you rooting for that game, James? I, I think I can assume your answer, but... I was rooting for the Giants, 100%. Yeah. Well, at that point, it was different. The Patriots, at that point, it was different because the Patriots weren't, you know, they were they won three in a row. They won three out of four in the early two thousands, and then it was like, you can't have the win anymore. Now, at this point, now in like twenty eighteen, it's like whatever. You know, it sucks, but we already saw them win six times. All right, we do have another guest besides James. James is now a father, and James, how old is your incredible baby? Julia just turned four months, and she witnessed probably the most embarrassing game of her. I, I don't even know where to begin, guys. I really don't. 
talk, all right, yeah, talk us through, before we get to the questions, your, your thoughts on the first two weeks of the year. I, when they played Buffalo, I was completely shocked the way they came out. I thought, all right, they're going to be decent. Sam's going to struggle a little bit because of his receiving core, but I didn't expect that at all. But the 49er game. Uh, yard rush on touch to start or picking up 55 yards on third and 31. I, I think the third and 31 was worse. I, 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 cause yeah. it was a deflating moment to start the game, but the third and 31, my brain is like, all right, they're not gonna be able to fl- flip the field. We're getting at like 35 or 40. Donald's gonna drive the field. It's a touchdown. And then immediately I couldn't even believe it happened. I collapsed on the floor. It was like the most gut punching moment of the season for me was that, that third and 31. And I think the play to set up third and 31, didn't Quentin Williams uh, get the sack on him? I think, I think so. His, oh, yeah, and stupid Nick Mullins. Yeah, he backed up like 15. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he fumbled. Yeah, he fumbled. They recovered it, and we're like, all right, at least we're gonna, they're going to punt. Sack him, stick your arm out, try to grab the fucking ball. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve McClendon was like sitting on his face. <laughs> Wait, like, him down. Quentin stepped up, and he had a good game. But you guys. He played great. He played great. Yeah. yeah, so first hypothetical for you guys. You have to sumo wrestle Mikai Becton for two full matches or go against Ashton Davis in a decathlon. Oh, and what, like, we have to win? Like, which one would be more, have a chance of winning? I, I think which one might be more painful. Oh, I think the sumo wrestling, just you get it over with. Like, he just sits on you, but I could die. What what what's in the decathlon? Do you, either of you know? Is it, Does that mean ten? I think. Uh, it's, <laughs> I have. I think, not, if it's a decathlon, it's ten races. I'm dying during one of those races. So yeah, I, I think a decathlon is like running, swimming, biking, and it's I, like a. I don't want to do any of those things. I no. think I would take sumo wrestler versus Mackay Beckton. Well, I have asthma. I can run like a little, like some a distance. <laughs> Mackay Beckton like took Jordan Poyer. <laughs> like through him, like what's he gonna do to me? It's terrifying. I don't want Run that. behind that highway seventy-seven. That's all yeah. I can say. All right, would you rather Eric Bieniemy, but draft Trevor Lawrence or Lincoln Riley and keep Sam Darnold? I'll start with James on that one. Give me Lincoln Riley all day. Oh yeah, keep Sam. Keep we, Sam. Keep Sam. Yeah. We are hashtag, big keep Sam guys here. You have to keep Sam. Yeah, I stand with Sam, dude. What's going to happen? I tweeted, like you said, I tweeted that today, and you, people got mad because I said that you're the president of Jets Twitter. <laughs> people were like, "Take it easy." Yeah, well, it's like, all right, dude. <laughs> you said the other day, Mike. Why would you draft another person at the same position when you have a perfectly capable uh, player in Sam? We have nine, yeah, we have a million ro- holes in our roster, and you're gonna. And again, I mean, we said it eight thousand times. We we just had an interview with Robbie Sable. We were talking about it. My take is if you you're gonna trade trade if you get the first pick, the only way you're gonna get Lawrence is if you get the first pick, and you just trade back and get a haul, yeah. like an all time haul. So you do it, and then you surround Darnold with a real team, like the Colts did with Andrew Luck, and when they when the when they traded the pick to the Jets for Darnold, that's what they did. They got Darius Leonard, they got Quentin Nelson, you know, they got that guy, they got Rocky Asin, a good starting quarterback. Come on. Yeah, I think we're unanimous on that one. This is, this is a tough one. I think this is one that you're going to see a lot. Would you rather the Jets go 3-13, and Darnold plays okay, and they fire Adam Gase, 
or go nine and seven down the stretch. Don't know if you're gonna make the playoffs, but you have to keep Gase the following year. Interesting. It's an indictment of how much do you hate Adam Gase? Are you okay with winning three games and waiting until September of 2021 for a meaningful year? I have a kind of convoluted take on this. So, my all of the things that I believe in are the Jets go nine and seven and try to make the playoffs for sure. First of all, there's an extra playoff team this year. You're probably gonna make the playoffs at nine and seven. Now, before the year, we talk about this a lot, Matt. We didn't hate Gase so much, and we didn't. Because, and we have reasons why, we don't just not hate people or hate people. We don't just blindly do things. The reason we didn't hate Gay so much because his clock management was, you know, was okay. Like, we, we trust him. Hey, like, fourth and one, we're going to go for it. You know, end of the first half, we're, we're going to try to score a touchdown. We're not going to, you know, kneel on the ball. Like, Todd Bowles, we hated, hated, hated because of a lot of his clock management decisions. We felt just didn't give us a chance to win football games. Punting right. down two scores in the fourth quarter. But now... I feel much worse about Gase after two games this year. He is a disturbed individual, and I don't want him near Sam Darnold anymore. But I, but if we go nine and seven, good things are going to happen. You have to remember, if you go nine and seven, a lot of good things happen. You have a winning season. You beat good teams too, because you beat good teams. We're going to play a lot of good teams this year. Yeah. Sam Darnold's going to play well if you go nine and seven. We probably are going to make the playoffs. If we go nine and seven, and if in that case, good, come back next year. James, what do you think? Three and thirteen or nine and seven? Um, I would. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I would rather go three and thirteen and get rid of Gase and just get him out. I get that take. I just get him out. I can't stand him. He's. I asked my dad this, and he's right up there with Kotite as the worst coach they've ever had. It's crazy the comparisons. And Robbie talked about it early on. People were comparing him to Kotite, and everyone said, "All right, give it." Give it a little break. He's 0-1 with a starting quarterback through the first five weeks. Don't write him off just yet. And then everything took a turn for the worse. So, James, I think you're going to like this question, too. As a Jets fan, a diehard, how do you compartmentalize seasons like this, where it's you know a down year? Do you let it ruin your Sundays? Are you able to laugh about it? How do you handle one of these you know almost impossible years that are going to be so bad? I... I watch every game every Sunday, no matter when they're playing, and I just see how they do. Then when they get blown out like they have been the past two weeks, I just I kind of laugh about it. I rant mm-hmm. a little bit to my friends, and that's it. Mike, and I feel like you'll have a good take on that. Yeah. I mean, going into every year, I'm, I, I got a lot of hate for saying this on Twitter. I'm going into the year confident in my team. I can be realistic, but I'm going to want my team to win. The, the problem is – I do let it affect my Sundays and I let it carry over until like Monday and Tuesday. Like I'll be in a bad mood and not want to talk to people. And people are like, that's you're being weird. Like the jets are always terrible. Why do you let it affect you that much? Because I said, I'm an okay Yankee fan. I'm an, I watch some hockey on the side. I just care about 16 days a year for my team to win. So it's tough when they're three and 10, everyone's saying they want to lose. They want to get killed. I'm like, wait, my guy's out there. Donald's out there playing. I want him to do well. I want to see Quinnen come around the corner and get a sack. I want to see Bless Austin defend a pass. So it's, I let it, I take it too, too much to heart. I need to be able to separate like good things that happen in my life versus the Jets, but I'm not able to put a down year away every year and every game matters to me, which is just a a weird way to live. No, I I, I agree with you, Matt. It hurts. It hurts a lot. We put a lot into it, build it up a lot. You know, and I'm also, you know, to your point, but a little bit more, like I'm a huge Mets fan too. And I watch every single Mets game and it really, like, the Mets are on now and it's 
very frustrating, you know, because I really tend to believe in these teams a lot. You know, the Jets the last few years have are supposed to be bad, and we've more been watching. You know, we're hoping they're going to win and make the playoffs. We kind of convince ourselves a little bit, maybe on nine and seven. The Mets the last few years too. Like I've, I like the moves that they've made, and it just hasn't worked. And it really like that kills me. Like the 2016 Jets we talk about a lot on this podcast. Oh yeah, that killed. That really really killed me because I'm like, dude, I love I loved Fitzpatrick. I love Darrell Rivas. You bring in Brandon Matt Forte. Matt Forte. These are my guys. I'm like, this is the team that I want. Like this is what I want. We're gonna go. We're gonna make a run. And then you go four, five and eleven. I'm like, oh, so that really hurts. And then these years, it, it hurts a lot but you know like this year now the hate is starting to push over to sam darnold i can't handle that i can't handle it it's my guy it's our guy like you just can't That's our guy that really frustrates me no i was gonna say 2015 really just killed me those last at least we were at least we had a good year you know like that that like the end of that year sucks i'm saying you know you have high expectations in 2016 finally because we're, we're talking about low expectations now uh but you know when you have high expectations and then you still suck, every, you know, and then people say, oh, no matter what, the Jets suck. It doesn't matter what happened in 2012, what happens this year. But, you know, you're still going to get that text from your brother with a Giants fan and say, go fuck yourself. You know, the Jets are losing this game. Like, it's tough. It really is very frustrating because it's never a reprieve. There's never – there was never a break. It's been 10 years since you made the playoffs, the Jets made the playoffs. It's 10 years. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Going off of 2015, we do have a question – if the Jets win Week 17 of 2015, how far do you have them going in the playoffs? Mike, you have an absurd memory. Do you know who the matchup would have been the following week? In 2015, the Jets would have played the Bengals in the first round, and Andy Dalton was hurt. So it would have been the Jets versus A.J. McCarron. So. And the winner of that game would get... Then you'd probably play the, either the Broncos or the Patriots. The Jets beat the Patriots already in 2015, and the Broncos had a decrepit Peyton Manning who had nine touchdowns and 17 interceptions that year. So, hey, maybe maybe they make a run to the championship game. So, with the Jets, obviously the hamstring bug has been killing the team. We had a question from James Richards: If all the Jets get hurt, every wide receiver and running back, who would you want to step in and and be the number one receiver from someone on the active roster? I'm going to start with this one. I'm putting Ashton Davis out there, uh, and I'm pl- I'm going to get weird with it because we're probably going to get killed. Give me like, give me Braden Man in the slot. Give me someone. I, want, I just want to see people running around and, and like, how great would it be like Braden Man has four catches for eighteen yards at the end of the year? I don't know. It's a weird question, but I. What about you, Mike? Who do you, who do you think you would take in the active roster to? If it didn't hurt the rest of the roster, put Mackay Beckton at running back. There you go. Run the run the run the Titans offense. Give him the ball thirty times. They give Derrick Henry thirty carries for you know eighty yards. Take a couple of field goals. You know, play some defense. We'll win some games like that. Done. James, do you team Mackay Becton too? I love him. I didn't like the pick when they did it because they had their choice of any wide receiver they wanted. Right. But these past few weeks, the way the kid plays, it's no-brainer. Yeah. When the when drafting the all the mock drafts came out, I kept seeing the name Mackay Becton around like the low teens, early 20s, early on. But I saw a mock that – so this is the number one tackle in the draft. And I texted Mike that night, and I said, Mike, I think this is the guy that we attack. He's the biggest person to draft. And Mike was like, he is raw, right? You don't really know what you're going to get with him. But we thought he was going to be a great run protector and have to work on his pass blocking. And then my biggest fear is that he would just whiff on someone, right? He's so physically strong that he'd try to overpower people. 
and a guy would run outside him. Hasn't happened one time this year. So, Mikai Becton, you know, the, the sky's the limit for that guy. He's been the number one rated PFF rookie on offense. So, more to come on Becton. Um, Andy Sukoff, who is asked a question every week. Appreciate Andy you, Andy. Suckoff. Andy Suckoff. Your life depends on a D Milner defending the goal line against Megatron with Matthew Stafford passing or Stephen Hill catching a goal line fade against Trey White with your choice of any Jets quarterback you've watched. So it's a very long scenario. I'll start. I'm taking Stephen Hill catching the fade over Trey White with Brett Favre throwing because I watched Brett Favre play for the Jets. That, in my opinion, that, ha- that has to be the answer. I don't trust D. Milner stopping a Stafford to, to Calvin Johnson fade. James, what do you think? I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. I don't trust any other quarterback for that fade besides Brett Favre. Well, you know what's interesting? But she was another asshole. <laughs> yeah, like. It's funny. We didn't know if we could curse in front of James's baby. He's holding a baby. He's four month old. And Mike and I were talking like, are we allowed to curse? Are we allowed to not? And James has made it clear that we can say fuck and fuck. asshole, which is thank- we, we need that. So she heard a lot on Sunday and she's going to hear a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark Sanchez actually threw a really nice fade, but not a, not a prototypical fade. He would throw more of the 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 back corner of the end zone lead the receiver there like the San Antonio catch in the 2010 divisional game and you know he did it also in that 2010 season against the Texans he threw the game winning touchdown to San Antonio Holmes um so I'll, I'll take I'll take my chance with Marky Mark and Stephen Hill who have hooked up for three touchdowns over uh you know the course of time in real life and Stephen Hill is like undefeated in questions I think maybe there's been like five hypothetical questions about Stephen Hill. Duke can go catch a fade. And also Calvin, uh, Calvin Johnson is a better player than Drew Davis white. So I'll go Stephen Hill. Yeah. Yeah. James now going to week three, we got Robbie's take on how he thinks the game's going to turn out and what are keys to the game. What do you think about week three against the Colts? What do you think is going to happen? I, I want to say they keep it close because Rivers isn't that good of a quarterback anymore, but I don't know at this point. I'm going to say 24 to 14, the Colts win. But, but Darnold plays good, mm-hmm. and he gets – I think he gets Crowder back this week. That'd be great. Crowder so, is doubtful, but, you know, that's not out. I could so. see Crowder being active. Wait, doubtful. He's doubtful. I could see him being active just because they have no one to fill the team. Um, and having him worst case be able to hop in, but Barrios is an you know an okay backup you can have. I hope Cager gets active this week. It's interesting that you said twenty four fourteen. The line of the game is ten and a half. I do a thing prior to the, the lines coming out. I try to predict what the line would be. I had the line closer to seven. I thought an zero and two team being desperate, and I mentioned it last week on the pod. All of these players are playing for jobs next year under the, like the Joe Douglas re- regime. And also, every single coach is coaching for their job. So if this team doesn't come out with some type of fire, it could be a midseason change for the entire staff. So, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, too, it's just too early for too much negativity. So, like, Joe Cap, tweet, friend of the program, Joe Cap, tweeted out the other day, what is your record prediction for the Jets? It's like 100-something comments. Every single person is like 2-14, and 3-13, and 1-15. It's too early for that. Now, 
we've even seen over the last few years, like let's think about the 2017 Jets. We're before the season supposed to go defeated, the suck for Sam Jets. They start off, they, they lose to the Bills, then lose 45 to 20 to the Raiders. Everyone's like, this team's not even worth watching. Garbage. They win three games in a row. You know, you go on three and winning streak, and they're winning against the Patriots. You know, that's the Austin Safarian Jenkins game that we talk about a lot. Uh, Robbie brought up a great point when we were interviewing him earlier uh, about the 2002 Jets, which is going to be my new talking point that I'm totally going to, you know, take from him. The Jets in that season, they won uh, week one, and then they got absolutely blown out in weeks two, three, and four. Uh, they won an overtime week one, then they lost 44 to seven, 30 to three, 28 to three. Blown out. They lost again. They were one and four. They ended up going nine and seven, making the playoffs, blowing out the Colts in the wild card game. So it's a little bit early. There's a lot of people that believed in Sam online that now have just automatically flipped the script in two weeks. There was no preseason, six new offensive starters, a rash of injuries, a dirty coach. He's an asshole, piece of shit coach. But I still think, and my take before the season was that Sam can win despite this psychopath. If you win this game, somehow the Colts are not the, you know, the 1985 Bears, even though they have the number one defense so far for two weeks. Um, this is not an unbeatable team. They have a ton of injuries as well. Then we go play the Broncos who have – Ten, the most injuries of anyone, their quarterback is out. Cortland Sutton is out. Von Miller is out. It's not hopeless. Let's let's play competitive football and not go down early and try and get the season back on track. The Broncos game is a win. I'm putting $150 on the money line, traveling west to east on a short week with a backup quarterback and your entire team hurt. And at that time, the Jets are likely to be 0-3. The Jets will not lose the game to Denver. But... James, I want to hear your take on the Denver game because I think that's a, a game coming up that a lot of Jet fans are excited for. I think they absolutely win that game. Like yeah. I said, they're traveling on a short week. Um, and th- who's their quarterback? Jeff Driscoll? Yeah. Maybe Blake Bortles? <laughs> even, your, even your baby knows that Jeff Driscoll is a terrible quarterback. No, yeah, tell him, you. Julia. <laughs> it kind of helps Von Miller's out too. Bob Miller's done. Cortland Sutton's done. They have a ton of injuries. Yeah, I think it's a winnable game. But with that, we will end the episode there. Thanks again, James, for coming on. And be ready for next week, episode nine. And hopefully we'll be one and two. They're still able to execute. Sam Darnold running for his life. And somehow able to keep it alive and find Braxton Berrios for the touchdown. Well, not the day that the Jets had envisioned, but that's...